halfway point of this retreat, Lord, and the blessings have been flowing. Uh, I, for one, have been blessed tremendously by the teaching I've heard. Lord, we've been fed uh, both uh, nourished of our bodies and nourished of your word, and we are grateful because your word uh, uh, is our life. And so we, um, we pray that you would bless uh, uh, the rest of this time together, the rest of this uh, retreat, that men's lives would be changed, Lord, that uh, obviously their thinking has been challenged already, and we're grateful for that. We pray that uh, this session would um, clear up some uh, confusion and uh, guide, guide men to uh, proper application of the scripture so they take uh, what they've learned uh, into their lives. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we have a lot of questions and a limited amount of time, so uh, I've been given an uh, edict from uh, the powers that be uh, that uh, I've I'm going to try not to cut anybody off, but uh, there are going to be questions we probably won't get to. So uh, I'm going to apologize in advance if I'm trying to prod the, or keep us going, keep the, the process going. Same goes for you guys. I've been instructed that uh, if anybody tries to uh, shirk a, a question, there will be no shirking questions today. So. Okay. <laughs> I was told to say that. I just want you guys to know that. Okay. All right. Um, the first question is for Walt, and this is a follow-up to the forgiveness uh, question. Um, and basically, the question is, forgiveness comes by. They gave three different um, passages, and it's a bit of confusion. First John 1, 9 is, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Matthew six fifteen, if we forgive men their sins. Or Ephesians 1, 7, redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. We've, you covered that, but I think there's still some, some confusion. So if you talk to that again, that would be great. I, I'm really sorry. I, I don't uh, hear in that a question. The question is, uh, it's, I guess the concern from this, this gentleman is that uh, they feel that there's a conf conflict between 1 John 1, 9, Matthew 6, 15, where is it by uh, is forgiveness from confessing our sins or is it uh, forgiving men their sins or... Is forgiveness coming uh, through the redemption of Jesus' blood? Yeah, I'd have to say all three. Okay. I surely would not feel comfortable saying that uh, because God promises in 1 John 1, 9 to forgive us, therefore we don't have to forgive other people. That would be a foolhardy uh, assumption to make. Okay, excellent. <coughs> Next question is from Mark. Um, by the way, if... Uh, if you're the person that asked the question and I didn't do a good job of relaying the question, please grab a mic and raise your hand and we'll give you an opportunity to maybe state it better so we make sure everybody's questions are answered. The next question, we're going to give Mark a chance to, uh, to talk. Um, this is a two-part question. Um, okay. Okay, the Apostles' Creed states that Jesus descended into hell, yet Jesus promised one of the thieves, he would accompany him in paradise. If church tradition is an error, is, is, is church tradition an error on this account? Or it says, it says, if church tradition is an error, how can John 8, 3 through 11 be trusted? And the follow-up question is, was John, if so, was John 8 penned by John or added later from church tradition? <laughs> Uh, to whomever asked that question, if at the end of my presentation tonight, if that's still a question in your mind, see me afterwards. <laughs> that technically is shirking. I don't know what you guys think. 
It, it sounds it sounds a lot like shirking the question. It's in his presentation. It's in his presentation. Okay, we're gonna reserve we're gonna reserve that for his presentation. If that question isn't answered, we will call on him again. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to a Lee question. Um, the question is to Lee: How does a man minister in the corporate setting, uh, where evangelism is not welcome? Well, that's uh, that's why we call it mischief. You you just can't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. And if they ask you if you're doing it, just say no. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but stuff happens. I mean, you know, you just you're at lunch together. He tells you stuff. What is it? A law against sharing about your life or something? And uh, if he wife gets sick, you're going to be over there with them, and uh, you're listening, and nobody else is listening, everybody wants to talk, and uh, you're working for the ask, and when he, when he asks you, you know, hopefully you'll, he'll be smart enough not to ask you at work, you know, he knows better, he's not supposed to ask these questions, <laughs> at work it's his fault, I didn't ask, you know, I didn't do anything, so, so hopefully he'll ask you the question, the big one. The bingo question, off market, and then that's how you do it. Okay, excellent, thank you. Uh, question for Winston, and forgive me, I'm having a hard time reading a little bit of penmanship issue here. How do we, I think the word is nurture our hope in heaven when we know that our departure would cause such pain and hardship, i.e. to our wife and small children, from Philippians 1, 22 to 24. Walt said Paul wasn't married. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. No, I... I, it seems to me like that uh, what we can do to prepare our children and our wives um, for that uh, possible event is to... Uh, bring them along with an eternal hope themselves. Because all of us have been to funerals where uh, it was a godly saint versus one where they weren't. And it's night and day. And the issue is hope. Excellent. Uh, another question for Walt. Um, another forgiveness question for Walt. In Luke 17.3, Jesus says, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he, respond, if he repents, forgive him. This appears to make forgiveness of another a conditional act, not unconditional. Please clarify. The Bible says that we're to treat the non-Christian different from how we treat the Christian. The non-Christian we do not confront. We don't rebuke him. As Lee says in his address, he's just simply acting like a Philistine. That's all. And, um, but we are obligated if a fellow believer is violating the commandments of God, we're obligated to go to him and confront him. 
And if the individual repents, then we restore him. If he refuses to repent, then it's not a matter of our not being willing to forgive him. It's just simply a matter of our disciplining him, hoping in the process to provoke him to repentance. And Matthew 18 and uh, 1 Corinthians 5 is the pattern that is used to bring that about. Okay, any follow-up questions to that? Excellent. Another question for Lee. Okay. This is another one of these uh, grammatically uh, challenged questions here. When When one follows the path laid out by a celebrity to be saved having ignored the ordinary lay lizard evangelist and fashions their walk accordingly, what accountability formula is one, is one in line with? I can reread that. When one follows the path laid out by a celebrity, I'm thinking they're talking about a Billy Graham or a, an evangelist, to be saved, having ignored the ordinary lay lizard evangelist, that's what it says. And fashions their work accordingly. What accountability formula is one in line with? Well, the uh, accountability comes to you only if you want it. So just because you got led to Christ by Billy Graham and didn't have any individual follow you up, it doesn't mean that you get excluded from accountability. So... You can find it by praying for it and then looking for someone that comes into your life, you know, who who might watch for your soul and someone who is objective, someone who will tell you the tough things. And, um, you know, a lot of us use our wives, and I don't think that's a good idea. That just causes more problems. But... uh, we ought to get another man to be hold us accountable. And uh, we can find him. Just uh, it's up to us. So you don't have to have the guy that led you to Christ be the one. You can, you know, you can find him in school or find him as a neighbor or just, it's a God will bump, you, you know, you'll just know him. Mean, the guy will be right there. He's right in front of you, you know. Do you mind asking? hold me accountable on a couple things you don't have to use those you know real religious sounding words Why, can, do you mind uh, ask me a couple questions or have you ever see anything in my life that looks funny will you will you ask me about it <clears throat> or if you hear anybody talking about me that might be funny will you tell me about it you know or, or would you ask me how I'm doing with uh, TV and motel rooms when I'm by myself well, I don't know. Just whatever questions you want, you know. It's just, you know, you can. And if the guy, you know, doesn't ask you, then rebuke him. So how come you're not asking me? I'm asking you to ask me. I just, I'm expecting you to call me a couple times. Ask me. I'm serious. So you can, you can get it if you have, if you want it. Okay. Another question for Mark. We're assuming this is not in your presentation. We're hoping it's not. Is all is all if the, the question is um, is all love for profit and the follow-up is a mother's love natural sympathy it says Jesus loved the rich young ruler but for what reward aren't we to be like Christ and to love without condition and for no profit 
instead of selfish or self-interest? What about selfless acts of love? Isn't agape to be for no profit? How come I get the long questions? Yeah. Can we read it again? I'm sorry. I can read no, it. no, okay. no. Well, Jesus doesn't have to love for profit because he's God. That was part of the question, wasn't it? Jesus loved the rich young word, but for what reward? So, yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. I don't think he was, he didn't need to seek the reward. He has it all anyhow. As we demonstrate the love of Christ in our life and love people unconditionally, I think that pleases God and that brings eternal reward to us. The mother's love for her child. Yes, a natural sympathy. Um, I'm going to have to circle back on that one. I don't, I don't want to give the wrong... I, that I think the through. question is, some love is natural, I think is what he's saying, and that a mother's love is natural, it just is... Well, there is, there is natural love and, and, a, and attraction, <clears throat> but it's not necessarily agape love. For example, um, there may be examples in this room of men who fell in love with a woman, married her, and then years later decided he no longer loved her and moved on. That's not biblical agape love. Mark, I Anyway, I'm struggling with the idea. I remember uh, a young woman asked me once, uh, I know you love me because you, you have to, you're a Christian, but uh, what if you weren't, would you like me? I guess she had a self-esteem problem. But it's, uh, I've just wondered, if agape love is the perfect love, uh, do we have to love for a reward? Because then the question comes, well, if I wasn't getting a reward for it, would I love these people and do acts of kindness? Is it just because of my self-interest I'm trying to get rewards, so I'm going to love these unlovely people? Or is it a natural outflow of becoming like Christ, where we can love people with no conditions attached, no strings attached, and, and not because of any reward? We love them because of the inherent value in the object. And I guess I originally wanted to shoot that at Walt because we were, he was on that topic today. You'll get your request. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grant that. That's, that's okay. <laughs> Got a ruling on that. Gentlemen, profit and what you perceive to be a profit is an expression of your value system. So the hard-nosed businessman who works out there in the marketplace, he sees it in terms of dollars and cents, possibly. The mother, she may see profit in terms of the satisfaction she derives from the relationship, the bonding, as they would call it in today's jargon, between a, a mother and a child. But I think the more profound question 
Now, let me, let me approach it this way. Let me say to you that there's a huge difference between agreement and submission. Remember, a wife told me one time, she says, I'm in submission to my husband most of the time, which she meant we're in agreement most of the time. And the only time I'm not in submission is when we're not in agreement. But that is the whole point. This is the reason, gentlemen, why many non-Christians live better lives than Christians. Not because they're submission to Jesus Christ, but because they're in agreement with him. You only know whether or not you are in submission when you don't want to do it. And the same is with love. Some people are just lovable. There is a certain satisfaction one derives from being in the presence of the baby, let's say, or the beautiful woman that we hope to someday marry. But as Mark pointed out just a moment ago, that doesn't really mean that they're loving in the biblical sense of the word simply because ten years later he divorces her. And what did we discover? We discovered the reason why he loved her in the first place is because he perceived her as being able to meet his needs. He wanted to use her. And the reason to divorce her is because he now realizes that she's not meeting his needs and he wants to find somebody else. So don't tell me that there's no profit there. I will grant you that it's possible for acts of love within the parameters of agreement, just like there are acts of obedience within the parameters of agreement. But that is far different from biblical love as surely as it's far different from biblical submission. Is there such a thing as a backslider? Yes, there, um, there obviously can be a backslider. Uh, the, um, the problem with that is that... Uh, there's a uh, you forfeit assurance and so then uh, at that point you don't know where you're at okay I think the passage uh, that they're referring to especially the Luke passages talks about the the man who built his house upon the rock he heard the Lord's words and put him into action and the one who heard the Lord's word and didn't put him into action um, was like a man who built his house upon the sand and he, when the storms came, he fell with a great crash. So in that 
time frame of their life, they are disobedient, in many cases willfully. You're saying it's an assurance that's lost. Now, now you, you just added another word on me. Oh, sorry. Well, you added willful. Okay. And uh, when you go to willful sin, you're, um, God will not relate to willful people. I think that's the question. When one backslides, they are exchanging a life of um, following God for a life of following the world. So, okay, if, if you're using, question. if you're using the word backslide and willfulness as synonyms, then I'd say that you're uh, don't go there. Okay, so if if they are synonyms in this question, how would that? What, what would your response be then? Don't go there. Okay. Excellent. Your soul is in peril. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay. Um, next question is for another question for Mark. <clears throat> It says, given that Adam and Eve turned from the Lord, the long history of Jesus... Uh, it says the long history of... Of the Jews. Of the Jews, excuse me, I'm sorry. Long history of the Jews turning from the Lord many times, and the long history of Christians turning from the Lord. Why does Jesus want to be our Lord? <laughs> It's a great question. <laughs> Can't blame him. I don't know. If I were him, I wouldn't want to be. Apparently, I mean, the Bible tells us we were created in, in the image of God. And we were created because God wanted us to be created. And he wants to have a relationship with us. That much I know. He, he sees something of value in us that frankly I looking out over this audience <laughs> and in the mirror and in the mirror no I I, I don't know anybody well okay honest answer I, right. I'll, let me give you a freebie though on a question that Lee answered just just so you won't think I'm trying to dodge the questions. Uh, on that issue of, of uh, evangelizing in the corporate marketplace, um, some other options for you to consider as well. And I agree with Lee. You, you just, he uses the word mischief. I just um, take advantage of the opportunities. But think about, because when you're in a, a position of being a supervisor and you've got employees, that's pretty dangerous. And we had this conversation earlier. Uh, some of us in, at the table, but um, I'm of the mindset, and it's easy for me to say because I'm, I'm not in the corporate world, but uh, for guys that I know, think about maybe going horizontally to another manager or even upstream to your boss and cultivating those relationships for evangelism. Um, it's just a thought. That's just another way to, to be an ambassador in that corporate environment. Okay, next question is for Walt. Um, you compared competition and covetedness. 
as when competition is over, how does one feel? If sad, one most likely coveted the prize. If a Christian businessman is at the end of the year or at April 15th is upset at not making enough money, isn't that coveting? Please elaborate. It depends on your worldview. If you think that your wealth is a product of your effort, then I can understand why you might be a bit chagrined. If, however, you believe that your wealth is a gift from God to be stewarded, then any anger that you have is directed toward God because he's the one that deprived you of your ability to meet your uh, financial goals. But yes, you are covetous. Okay. Next question is for we're going to um, we're going to ask Lee a question here. Uh, to be a disciple of Jesus, I must follow him and do his bidding, even when it appears that it will cost me my mother, father, spouse, and children. Please explain. Well, I think the passage says if you do not hate your mother, father, sister, or brother, you cannot follow me. And uh, I think that's explained in day 168 or something in Walsh. <laughs> no? So I don't know how I can improve on that. Uh, but uh, it just, you know, there's... If you don't hate your wife, I think it says in that one. Uh, it's a... Um, the word hate is a choosing kind of word. I think in Romans uh, 11, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's a choice. I mean, I chose Jacob over Esau. So I hated him, and the Chinese have an expression, you know, what do you want to order? So I would love a Budweiser. You know, how about a course? No, I hate course. So it's like, I don't hate it. I mean, I just don't, uh, I'm, not, I'm not choosing it. So, you, so when the Bible says hate your wife, uh, it is a denial of, you never take her over your, Allegiance to God. God is number one. And uh, even in that sense, it literally looks like you're hating her because you're not choosing her over God. But in that is her security. The fact that uh, you will take seriously the command to hate your wife, you know, you would choose discipleship over that, um, over her. In, in fact, is her assurance that uh, you're not going to pull some stunt out there when you're when you're traveling or something. Not very well said. Way the way the diary says it. I think the diary says it better. <laughs> okay. Any follow-up questions on that? Okay. Next question is for Winston. Winston, you encouraged us to have a Bible reading slash studying plan. Can you give us some different ideas and strategies for tackling the Bible? Help me set some goals. I've read it all two to three times in the last eight years. Thank you.
there are some examples, just as suggestions, in uh, the book that he talked about earlier, that uh, study and in, in, uh, interpreting the Bible. There's, you might take a look at that. Uh, it may give you some, uh, may give you some uh, um, ideas on what you want to do. Um, just on a personal note, um, I would, uh, I would. I think that if I, if I hadn't studied any of the the uh, the books and wanted to get started and uh, try to get my arms around uh, a book, I think I would start with the Book of Romans. Um, early on, I tried to study, uh, for example, the Book of Galatians. And uh, I, uh, I got frustrated and quit it because I was always in the Book of Romans because I'd never studied the Book of Romans. And so uh, if I were just getting started, I'd figure out uh, somehow to, uh, to get my arms around the Book of Romans. Um, my own experience is that it's very, very helpful to do that with some other men and it's also helpful to do it with someone that has already been through it. And uh, doing it with other men, just, you know, you feed off of each other and you, you, you learn from each other, just the interaction and so on. And, uh, but also, uh, you fellas probably don't need this, but I, I personally need the accountability. Uh, if so I intentionally put accountability outside of what I do to force me to do things that left to my own devices I wouldn't do. And uh, so uh, so I would say, pick a book and say, okay, I'm going to try to get my arms around it. Or it may, it may take you 18 months to do it. Uh, that The time it takes you is not the issue. It's do it, you know. So, excellent. Okay, um, I have a question for Walt. I'm sorry. By, by the way, uh, in terms of getting someone, uh, you know, to uh, help you walk through those books, uh, you know, I think Walt. Walt does. I, I'm not. I'm not offering him at all. Uh, but just as an illustration, uh, he does. Gosh, I don't know how many. A bunch of uh, studies by phone. Uh, a group of guys will get together and then they'll do it by phone and uh, they'll meet three or four hours and do that and uh, um, so that's a very easy way to do it if, if you don't have someone locally that you can do that with so gosh just uh, uh, be innovative like you are in your own in, in your own work and this isn't any different you know figure out how if you want to do it all of us, if we really want to do it, we'll figure out how to, how to get it done. We do do what we think is most important. Is information on the Bible studies by phone on your website, Walt, by chance? No. Okay. Okay. Um, the next question uh, had a, a passage, and I'm going to read it first before I ask the question. This is for Walt. Who then, this is uh, Matthew 24, 45 to 51. 
Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The question is, does this um, passage refer to rewards or to the salvation of the servant? My sense is that it's salvation. question that highlights it says that they it will be it says that these are servants in in his house I think the question is does that mean that they are saved because they're servants of the master or I think not okay so it's a salvation so these are unbelievers okay excellent okay um, next question is for Mark this question says, what advice can you give um, to a man whose wife is not a believer? Does he push, back off, etc.? <clears throat> Probably, are we on here? Can you hear this? Okay. Yes, time. Probably a lot, a lot of guys in this, several guys in this room that may apply to. Um, Push? I don't. I don't think you push. Uh, you, you you can't drag people kicking and screaming into the kingdom. Um, I think you uh, ask God to allow you to see her through the eyes of Christ. Recognize that um, you have made a covenant relationship with her, and that uh, you are not to leave her. Um, and it, you you treat her like you would your role with her is to evangelize clearly she's a non-believer and you try to find ways to express the love of Christ and and as as God changes you um your hope would be that she would see something in you that she would ask for the order, as, as Lee puts it. Recognizing that there is no guarantee that she will ever come to Christ. And that's... Was there more to, that you were looking for there? That was, that was the question. Um, I'm not sure if the person that wrote it had a follow-up question to that or not. Um, I... I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can push her. I, I, I have a follow-up question to that myself, actually. Um, it says um, that um, if you ask for anything that's in the Lord's will, then it will be granted to you. Mm -hmm. And and I believe, I think it's Second Peter. It says that it's the Lord's will that all would be saved. And so, if you believe in your heart that it's the Lord's will that your wife would come to salvation and you pray fervently for that with belief how does that 
is there is there a, is that not a promise of God that we can rely on? As long as she's elect. Is there some kind of decoder ring we could use to figure that out? Or no. <laughs> so okay. 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 I have a question. I didn't know that we could have these call-in Bible studies, Winston, with Walt. That would have helped me with my scripture memory back then. <laughs> okay, we are at our last question. Unless there's follow-up questions, we'll turn it over to the crowd. I'm going to ask this last question. Um, this is of Walt. And the question reads, when do we receive the heavenly rewards um, that, are, that are spoke about in Matthew? Uh, is that in the millennial kingdom or is that in the new Jerusalem? <coughs> Scripture is not clear, at least to me, not clear as to the role that the believer today plays in the millennial kingdom. Some believe that we will co-rule with Christ. So I can't speak dogmatically whether the rewards will impact that period of time or not. But for sure, it will impact the time after the end of the millennium and the new heaven and new earth. Okay. Excellent. Any follow-up questions for the person that wrote that one? Okay. Well, thank you guys for your time. We really appreciate it. A um, couple other house cleaning events. Uh, does anyone have any other questions you wanted to ask while we have the time? We're actually a little bit ahead of schedule. We have about 10 more minutes to go. Okay. Well, uh, you guys are done. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this question is for Walt again. Uh, it's kind of following on the question that I asked this morning. Um, I, I had responded earlier that uh, for me it seems that the prophet's thesis, as, as I was hearing it described, um, seemed so transactional rather than relational. And at that time, Walt, you, you responded um, propositional rather than relational. Did you intend to uh, say that or...? I was a mis misspoke myself. Okay, sorry. Excellent. Well, I'd like to thank the uh, speakers for taking their time to answer the questions. Um, we're going to um, the next, uh, we're basically have dinner starting at 5 o'clock, so we have a little bit of break time.